Okay, welcome everyone to episode number three and we're here with my good friend Daniel Carr. Daniel, how are you doing today? I've never been better, Greg. Thank you for inviting me on to your podcast slash video. Whatever this is. What do you is. call this? What is this? Video podcast. A wee tin wag with friends? Yeah, you could say that. It's, um, it's a pleasure to have you and for those of you who are listening, who want to know who exactly Daniel is, apart from my friend, he's a firefighter. Um, do you want me to introduce myself? You could probably introduce yourself. Go I'll on. introduce myself. So I'm Craig's friend and I'm a firefighter. Hmm. Yeah, you can look right there. Thanks. Thanks for that, Daniel. So <laughs> also, I should say to anyone listening, this might be a little bit spontaneous, sporadic, all over the place. You've got two people who can't stick on a subject for very well at all. Uh, Daniel's like the best way to describe Daniel uh, is like a Labrador on the at the beach uh, who just sees a lot of stimulus. So like maybe a kid's throwing a ball in the ocean. There's a sandcastle and another dog. Uh, you don't know what the dog's going to run to, but it'll probably run to all three of them at some point. Yes, Craig. If you're saying I live my life to the full, I'm right there with you. <laughs> well, anyway, look. Yay, let's see. What will we talk about today, Daniel? We're going to, oh yeah, let's get into it. We're going to talk about your most horrific things that you've witnessed uh, as a firefighter. I want to know about some <laughs> facts and myths of being a, a firefighter. Yes. Right. And uh, maybe, maybe you want to know like how you got into it. Like, why did you decide to be a firefighter? And I'll throw in like uh, other yeah. little sneaky questions. So should we reverse the order? So I talk about know. no, no, no. I don't know, but I'll talk about how I got into it first, and then we'll maybe do like a bit of a shit sandwich because starting off heavy, maybe I don't know. Is that yeah? Go ahead, tell me how. Like the worst thing I've seen straight up, maybe a bit. Oh, it's pretty bad. Oh, that's a good. Uh, I mean, well, ca- uh, what, do, what do you call oh, it when you catch people? But that's at the back. end of the movie. Yeah. So we're actually the talking. It's a, it's a grab or a snatch or a snatch. Oh, it's a fish hook. It's a hook. A hook. Well done. A hook. Anyway, so then, Thank you, Daniel, Greg. let's start there. Yes. Huh? Right. So, sorry, <laughs> what word do you want to start? <laughs> Tell me, how did you decide to be a firefighter? Like, I remember we used to live together and you used to be always lighting things on fire you i would come and come near your room and i would just smell burning and i would see melted stuff in, a, in like a bowl that we were using for our dinner it looked like you were always sort of into fire if i can say that. yeah correct i was always into um i think even from a young age my dad would have us out lighting bonfires and lighting things on fire and i'd be trying to make things blow up or setting trees on fire or honestly one time I tried to um, set a football on fire it was a football cut in half sprayed it with loads and loads and loads of deodorant lit the, um, the deodorant slash football and the whole thing exploded in my face I had to go inside and chop off my eyelashes <laughs> because all, every, everything was singed my eyelashes my eyebrows my hair I actually had to like cut them off but yes so I've always been very much into fire I wouldn't say into fire because that sounds a bit strange I would say I haven't been scared of fire I've always been like playing with it and stuff um, and then I went to university I've always liked the 
it's always appealed to me. I think firefighting, it's always grabbed me. I think the adrenaline rush, helping people, uh, working as a team, the fact that you don't know what you're doing day to day, hour to hour, you could be in anything, um, has always appealed to me and I've always found it quite exciting. Um, so yeah, then I went to university. My lecturer was a firefighter at university. He would tell us stories about his like firefighting and his career. And I just think off that, off the back of that, I was really into it. And after university, a job came up in my local town, Valley Clare, represent. And it was kind of just a off the bat, apply for a job, send in the application form. If I get through the process in class, if I don't, then no harm done. Turns out that I did get through everything and then I ended up being a firefighter for my local station in Ballyclare and it was the best job with the best people. I honestly couldn't have asked for a better station at that time. So did my four years there and then moved to London because there wasn't enough um, going on in a retained station. So when a Ballyclare was retained, you were on a um, alerter and you were called out. So you may be called out average maybe five times a week. So there was a lot of sitting around. And then even whenever you were called out, you may not have made it to the first pump or the first fire engine. So um, there was a lot of sitting around. And I decided to do it full time in London because I wanted more. Does that mean that you're, you're kind of like a little bit of a, an adrenaline junkie in the fact that just chilling wasn't enough for you? You actually wanted to get stuck in and... You know, where a lot of people would be crossing their fingers like, I don't want to go into battle. I don't want to actually go face a fire where you're putting your life at jeopardy. I don't want to go cut people out of who knows whatever situation they're in. Uh, I'll just chill here in this quiet station. Like, what? can you explain that? Yeah, I don't know. I guess most firefighters will have a... passion maybe for the job they've done so much training i guess and it's such a hard career to get involved with that once you're there you kind of want to um be stretched and you want to be tested and you want to I, I really don't know i don't know what it is i think maybe it's the mentality of firefighters as well they want to get in they want to help people um do you not very many people just want to sit around do you think it's kind of like a soldier that goes through all the army training and everything and they're just dying to get into war. Like you see a lot of them who miss out on wars and they, they feel like they should have been there. I have no idea. I'm, I can compare being in the army to firefighting. Actually, I don't know. It could be like that. Um, I think it's similar. Yeah. Maybe you go through your training and you kind of want to like, you want to get involved. Uh, yeah. You wanna, you wanna I, don't, blow, I don't know. You want to blow someone's head up. <laughs> deadly anyway here uh, a, a wee question that came to mind was what's yes. the difference between Ballyclare and London oh probably a good couple million people at <laughs> least and um, there is no real oh so firefighting London you don't have the range of emergencies so as a firefighter you get called out to anything that um, people need rescued from hmm. or anything where damage may be um, caused to property. So 
because obviously Northern Ireland is very rural, you've got chimney fires, actual fires, farm incidents, animal rescues, RTCs, mm. or car crashes, sorry, and then you've got floodings and hazardous materials. Uh, you've got a lot of, you've got a massive scope, a lot of range, so you've got a lot of, I guess, diversity in your fire calls, whereas London is built up, you're mainly dealing with the same type of things, which would be fires, a few car crashes, uh, you also get a lot more of people stuck in lifts, mm. a lot more floodings, a lot more people locked out of houses, locked into certain things. So I guess the number of calls in London is a lot higher because you've got a huge population of people all crammed into one small kind of area. Whereas in Northern Ireland, you've got a wider range, but fewer calls because there's less people. So that would, that would be the main difference. And then you've also got London's huge, um, for the fire brigade, you've got 103 stations, whereas back home in Northern Ireland, you've got maybe, I don't know, 10 full-time and 30 retained stations. So yeah, the, the scale is, is completely different. It's just huge, yeah. It's mad. It's crazy. Um, any incidents with foxes? Yes. Actually... Actually how do you wait did i tell you that story no, there's just a lot of foxes in london and i i think there's loads of foxes yeah um i so basically the first whenever i started coming to london i would always see like a fox in the street and be blown away that these foxes come so close to houses and humans absolutely crazy yeah. is my wee video yeah it's working i'm looking yeah, but I'm looking down the side of my camera and not into the actual camera. Yeah, um, look at the camera. Well, so, I mean, whatever. I'll look at the camera. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, sorry. So, loads of foxes, they would always run about and come very close to you. And I was kind of blown away. So, I've always wanted to... Save one? Potentially. Well, well, not really save one, but I don't know. Anyway, so um, there has been one or two incidents involving foxes. Oh, about like, two or three months ago. Yeah. Sorry? D yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You were going to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to move on. I thought you were going to say, no, yeah, there was, was one explain. or two incidents with foxes. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I was going to explain the, um, the story. So, okay. went into work a little bit early, about nine o'clock. Our shift starts at half nine. And some wee woman comes to the door. Like, hello, how's it going? She says to me, I'm not too bad. I've had a wild night. I think there's a fox in my bed. And I looked at her and said, that's a strange request. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know. It's a bit early. Like, uh, did I hear you right? Did you say there was a fox in your bed? And she was like, well, I don't know. It's big and it's furry and I'm not too sure what it is, but it freaked me out. I had to sleep in the spare room because I couldn't get into my bed because of this big furry thing. And I was like, this is strange. So how long has the fox been in this house for? And she said, well, it came in last night. So it's been there all night and morning. And uh, I, I said to her, right, well, I'll go and ask my governor to see what the protocol is. I'm not too sure. We usually do animal rescues if they're in danger. If an animal's just sitting on your bed, it's not really in danger. So I uh, went and asked the governor. Governor came out and said, yeah, no bother. Uh, we'll call her through and we'll make our way down to your house. So I, because she only lived around the corner, I walked with her to her house and went upstairs. And right enough, a wee fox just sitting on the bed. The fox must, it was like um, something out of the Goldilocks. It just like <laughs> lied there and slept on this bed all night. And the wee woman was terrified. Do you want me to show you a wee picture of it? Yeah, please. 
So hold on. Um, uh, how so big was the fox? Was it a, a young one, a fully grown male, female? I would say it was. It was definitely male. Okay. Did you check then? Is that how you know it's definitely? Yeah, I checked. You know how to do that? I can, I can confirm. Okay. Good. Well, unless uh, a little more male than female, I don't know, Craig. Okay. I'm not too sure how to confirm. What do you do? Lift its tail and have a wee. Yeah, of course you do. A wee, a wee fondle. Yeah, well, I don't think um, you need a fondle anything. You can kind of do... No, that, hold on. <laughs> Let me show you this picture, if I can try and get it. But anyway, the way oh, the woman... If the woman says there's a fox on her bed, you don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so wait, what, do you, what did you do? So we had to cordon off the house to make sure that whenever we scared the fox... So the plan was scare the fox, fox would get up, jump off the bed, run through the house... If we corner off the house at different parts, then it'll run straight out the door. Um, mm. So that's essentially what we did. We just chased the fox out. Um, we've had a couple of animal rescues. We've had a cat in behind the toilet, stuck mm. in behind the toilet. That was absolutely... If you've ever seen a cat that's angry, it's yeah. quite a sight. Have you ever seen a cat that's very angry, like a really pissed off cat? Uh, to the extent yeah. where the cat was actually pissing? Uh, I haven't seen that, no. Where it's actually right, pissing. Okay. But I have seen a pissed it off cat. Scary. It would put me off gas. Um, we had a wee dog that got uh, that got the paw trapped down the plug of a bath. Oh, right. We've had pigeons. Um, yeah, we've had. You get called out to like uh, all sorts of things. Let me see. Is there anything um, unusual where someone's got stuck in something? Like you always hear, you know, when people, uh, you know, they're messing around. Let's say romantically. <laughs> oh, sit, see that wee fella. That's you see it? Yes, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. I think I'd like to get a wee, a wee tattoo of it, you know, to remind me of London and... That yeah, event. you should get it right here. Yeah, I think so. Right across the a fox forehead. face on my, on my chest. Yeah, and then what, yeah. Did the, what does the fox say? Just written in italics underneath it? Yeah. Or I was thinking maybe a speech bubble around oh, this yeah. peck. That could be good. And Anyway, what were, you, what were you asking? I was, I was wondering... You know how uh, people go to the doctor's office with like something lodged where it shouldn't be lodged. Maybe they're playing some sexual game with their partner or yes. you know, something embarrassing. Have you got any of those? So there was a, a statement came out after the whole Fifty Shades of Grey thing. They actually came out with an email and statement to the whole of Fire Brigade saying that the calls have gone up and have <laughs> like for people getting trapped in handcuffs and in strange positions and. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff going on where um, people needed rings cut off them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh. So, like, obviously, one thing, it gets to a place where you're like, oh, actually, no, I'm actually stuck. Thank you very much, Jimmy Dornan. I think he owes the taxpayers <laughs> a few coin. Jimmy, if you're listening. He, he got us out. Um, yeah, so we had one where someone was uh, sweeping off the back of the lorry. So sweeping with a, with off a, the back of a lorry. So, so a big so, lorry bed. He had yeah. a broomstick and started sweeping the, all the rubbish out the back of the lorry. And as he ran off to jump off the back of the lorry through his broomstick, the broomstick hit the ground. But it was as, no matter broomstick kind of hits the ground. Yeah. It doesn't move one way or another. It kind of just stays, stays in the middle. A little bit too long because there's not enough momentum to swing it one way or the other. Yeah. This guy, unfortunately, jumped off the same time he threw the broomstick 
broomstick hit the ground, didn't move, and he landed straight on top of the broomstick. Please tell this me. This broomstick, straight up, shafted him, literally <laughs> shafted him, straight. <laughs> um, and then made It actually made a new hole, went up the room, because it was what rounded. What do you mean it's, it made a new hole? Well, it didn't go up his arsehole, like. But why not? Oh, that's what I was hoping for I'd, in my mind. No, 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 no. I'm not too sure if it went up his arsehole, but I don't know if he would have survived because it went up to here. Sorry, you oh, can't wow. see that. Oh. Yeah, I mean, look, I can... It went up to like here. That anyway, is um... insane. Sorry, just for anyone yeah. just listening to this on audio, Daniel just stood up and uh, showed the position of the broom going probably around the midsection. Belly button height? Mm. Higher? <laughs> oh, higher than belly button height. You know your um, diaphragm? Yes. So uh, just kind of there. If you are really looking at a visual image of this, picture a broomstick going <laughs> up someone's bum, going to somebody's to diaphragm. diaphragm. Thanks for that, mm-hmm. Daniel. <laughs> um. So yeah. So then the fire brigade obviously were called out because this broomstick needed cut off at the section that was hanging out of them. So then he could put in a spinal board, long board, and then laced in the back of a, an ambulance so he could be taken off. Can you pull that broom out of him? Or is that really... Absolutely not. If anyone finds himself in a situation where a broom shaft has went straight <laughs> up you, do not pull it out. It is not wise to be pulling that type of thing out. Yeah. Um, keep, it, keep it where it is. Try and stay as still as possible and ring 999. You're telling people not to pull out? Not to pull well, it out. Never. No. Um, but yeah so with the fire brigade you get called out it can be absolutely anything which is what makes the job so exciting so yes there is there's a lot yeah. of sitting around someone someone once um, described it as the fire brigade is 90% boredom interjected with 10% of sheer horror hmm. because you never know what you're going to do and it can be pretty brutal sometimes that's an, that's a nice but then transition. you're there to help so yeah sorry yes go for it it's a nice transition to horror story. I want to get this in in case Ooh. we miss the time because, you know, these things I'll go speak fast. speak because, yeah, let's speak through them. Go ahead. What's the, Daniel, what is the yes. most horrific thing that you have witnessed as a firefighter? Uh, yeah. The most horrific thing that I have witnessed. Or it could be the most traumatic for you or the thing that just stuck with you the most, like, um, the, there's, yeah. Okay, so there's there's two types of things. I think one of them has been, I was at a house fire where the family came to the house fire and the mother died. So she was sleeping, smoking a cigarette, fell asleep. Sorry, she was smoking a cigarette, then fell asleep. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Cigarette hit the bed, bed went up. She died. She obviously um, didn't make it. The family, son and daughter, whoever it was, I think it was the son and the daughter-in-law, or whatever, came to the house, and the police had to tell this these family members that her their mother had died. And I think that was quite sad. I wasn't really seeing the woman who was mm. like dead and burnt. It was more seeing the, the transaction, like the yeah, just like. They were like the woman was quite old, and the children were probably in their forties. But it was still seeing them crying and trying to take it in. That was pretty sad. Um, mm. And right, the the other thing would probably be 
whenever you see like after a car crash, whenever there's people just screaming. So a lot of people in pain, a lot of broken bones and injuries that it's not even the people that are still and probably going to die. For me, it's the people that are like screaming at the top of their lungs mm. and um, you're trying to help them, but then you're also being distracted by these noises because obviously, so you, you can see it, the noises are there, you, you're trying to, and you've kind of got like tunnel vision, so you're not really thinking about what you're like seeing or do, you think about what you're doing, but it's kind of, you, you more think of everything after. You're kind you of know? in automatic mode. Do you feel like, is that something yeah. you, you develop in, in the training? Do they try and get you to focus on the tasks, like the steps maybe, or is it something, like how would you explain that to people? I think you just don't have time to like think about stuff. You kind of fall back on your training and you're maybe, is that your stomach? <laughs> You know what? I uh, I haven't had rice in a while, and it's reacting with me. Uh, so that's what that uh, is. Yes. Well, Craig. Yeah. That was a nice transition into was, me taking my. That's going to be my soundtrack for the start of the podcast. Class. So many people. You'll probably have twice the amount of viewers. It could so you'll be on like ten. Uh, maybe six. I think I'm on three at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. Sorry to answer your question. The you've been given all this training and you just don't have time. So you, you kind of have tunnel vision. You work. You do what you need to do, and then afterwards you kind of think about it. So then you you kind of think to yourself, oh, they were in a bad way. They were screaming. That was a bit brutal. But uh, yeah, that's why you don't really have. Mm. You know, yeah, even in fires and stuff, you don't really have time to like, people are like, oh, you're not afraid, but you don't really have time, too to, much be time to like be afraid. Yeah. You just, you're kind of thinking about what's the risks? What do I need to do? How do I prevent this from happening? Or how do I achieve that as my goal? Mm. And then afterwards you think, oh, that could have actually been pretty scary or that could have happened. That may have led to something serious. Let's talk about just uh, another one I want to get through is factor or myth. Oh yeah. Right. So you had a quick look, I guess, at some of those. I mean, some of them were ridiculous that I sent through, but yeah. um, I think the interesting. I think one, most. Yeah, go ahead. No, just I think most of these are American. I yeah. probably should have let you know that. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's why they are ridiculous. Sorry, Americans. Um, but let's start with the, the uniform because it says here, of course, it's in Fahrenheit. Their uniform can withstand up to 2,200 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm guessing that's around 1,000-ish celsius mm. could you give us some insight into how much heat uh firefighters yeah. should can actually withstand yeah so a firefighter you could be in a a room on fire it's called a flashover so whenever this whenever a fire starts in a room the heat will spread throughout the room create um paralysis and gas that comes off different um items of like furniture and different stuff in the room so the all these gas come on all those gases will then suddenly ignite so you go from fire room to a whole room on fire so whenever you enter into a room that's completely on fire you could have uh the heat could be at about a thousand degrees at the ceiling and then you could have maybe around head height five to six hundred degrees and then lower down maybe 200 so whenever you fight a fire 
in a room you always go low and you always hide the fire from down low because mm -hmm. obviously you don't want to be standing up because then you're in the way of danger but you're also facing that heat and that heat's gonna it's gonna like you're gonna be exhausted can i ask you a stupid question here right all right yeah well okay i'm just a picture you going into a burning building and whenever mm -hmm. I picture a burning building, I don't see the whole, like every part of it on fire. Is that just my cartoon imagination? Or is literally when you go in through the door, the whole floor that you're standing on, you have to actually physically step on fire. You're like, your yeah. fire is just sort of like going through you to, not going through you, but you know what I mean? How, how much contact do you make with like the flame? Uh, it depends on the fire. Every fire is completely different. So you could go in and there could be a little fire in smouldering in the corner of the room mm -hmm. and the whole place could just be completely pitch black, filled with smoke. And the smoke is developed over time. There's no air getting in or out. As soon as you open that door, then that's, you're in danger because the air goes in and then you can create a backdraft where all those gases basically explode. Mm -hmm. But you could go into another house and you could have that flashover that I was talking about where the whole room is just on fire. And so we had one experience where went up to a house, there was a hoarder that um, had quite a lot of materials and possessions just all over the house. Oh, your video is low. That's all right, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Yeah, this hoarder, she, basically decided to start multiple seats of fire. So she was pouring petrol in multiple places. So as soon as we came up, there was fire coming at us from every, every area. Usually that doesn't happen. Usually it'll start in one place and then make its way throughout the building. This, as soon as we came up, there's fire coming from down the stairs above us, fire coming from the kitchen, fire coming from different areas. So, and because the whole room was on, it was like a sea of fire because that happened. It was kind of what you were saying where you had to kind of, you couldn't even really find it was any an open space plan. It was to... an open, yeah, there was an open plan, like living room, sort of dining room. So you couldn't find any space to walk into. You kind of had to fight it from the stairs. Um, it, but you, like we you, said about heat, that was like, yeah. Crazy. Do you approach that differently? Like if you see, I have to actually physically stand on this fire or whatever. Have you got, again, these might be really ridiculous questions, but you know, your, your suit is made to be able to withstand these heats. Can you literally just stand in that fire for like as long as you want? Or like, what's the time reference? Or obviously you're trying to move through it quickly, but have you, what's the longest time you stood in a fire? <laughs> so your breathing apparatus that you wear only gives you 35 minutes, 35 to 40 minutes. So, I mean, that's with like full tank of air. Whenever you don't want to, you don't want to be in there any longer than that or sure. else you're deep. Um, yeah, so I mean, I guess it depends on how hot it is. Sometimes you'll go into a fire and it's so intense and so hot that you'll have to back out. Some, it, like, it, it, it really just depends on the temperature. Because it it's more, you don't, you don't get burnt, but you feel really, really hot. So yeah. you're like inside your suit because the suits are quite dense. It's so funny to hear you say, like, it feels really, really hot in there, you know? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> but then there's some fires you go into and you don't feel hot at all. Do so... you ever go in and you're just like, oh, it's a bit cold in here? It's a bit chilly, isn't it? <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, I just, a little... Someone turn on the heat. 
<laughs> a little uh, question or idea popping in my head is, do you have to ever go into a fire and it takes so long to put out that you have to come out, reload like your canister or whatever and go back in? Yes. How much? Yeah, how, so how common? it's usually you'll have um, the first team because you always go into a fire with someone because you, you never want to be in a fire by yourself. First team will go in, then you'll start um, having spare firefighters sort of backed up to take over, take over, take over. Once you've circulated through all those firefighters, then you may be asked to go in twice. If you come out of a fire, mm. you're usually given half an hour to an hour to just give yourself kind of a break, relax, take on some water, um, hydrate again. and Because you don't want too much heat stress or stress in your body because then you're not thinking um, correctly. Mm. I'm sure there's people that have been in a lot of dangerous situations. I haven't been in many very dangerous situations. If you think of Grenfell, the amount of people that went into Grenfell and the amount of people that had to go in again and again and again, they were fighting that fire for what, 12 hours or something? Maybe eight hours. I actually don't know. I wasn't, a, I wasn't at Grenfell, but I'm sure once a fire takes hold of a building, mm -hmm. it's very hard to put that fire out. Did you hear that again? <laughs> You, you got me as bowel movements time. Um, uh, can I ask as well? What was I going to say? Oh, yes. Have you ever seen anyone run in and be um, too emotional, do something stupid? Or let, let's broaden the category. Have you seen a firefighter who's just gone in and been ridiculous, done really stupid shit, you know? Not including mm, No, I don't think so. It's all professional. I know of those. I know of those that have. Yeah. Yeah, you hear stories of people that have done like silly things, but uh, no, not really. Not that I. What's the usual number of people? Like what? I guess it depends from case to case, but uh, like I'm trying to get a gauge on how many firefighters are usually sent out to for you know a house fire or um, to get mm. cut someone out. What, what would you say is an average? So. In London, if there's a house fire, you're looking maybe eight to 15 firefighters. Eight to 15 salaries? My God. Yeah. Boys and girls, uh, be careful. If there's a house fire where multiple people are calling in, yeah. so uh, you may get multiple calls and you may get fire survival guidance, which is whenever people are trapped in the building, they'll call control and they will give, be given survival guidance on whatever they're going through. If you have multiple ones of them, then you could be looking at maybe 30 firefighters. Wow. Um, and then that's whenever it becomes big because then you're going in to actually rescue lives and, you know. Yep, yep. Um, fact or myth, nothing can be heard or seen in a burning building. Well, it depends on... I would say myth. Okay. Because it depends on the fire. So you could go, and I've been in fires where it's been pitch black and you can't see anything. Mm -hmm. um, what about her? But you can't get, no, you've got um, a device on you that will beep. If you're not moving for a certain amount of time, it'll go off and it'll start beeping. And that's okay. so other people can hear where that is coming from. So that would be useless if that was oh, true. a fact. Okay. Um, and you can... In a fire, usually you can communicate. It's harder to hear and it's harder to see, but you can 
hear things going off, fire alarms and stuff. So that's quite smart. I mean, I never thought Mess. about the fact that you have like a little beeper to make sure that uh, you're still moving. Yeah. And if you, if you don't move for a certain amount of time, then it goes into full alert and then mm. it sends a signal to outside saying that we've got a firefighter that hasn't moved for yeah. so many seconds. Um, and then it'll be full emergency where they'll send teams in to try and locate that firefighter and bring them on. Okay. So that's a, a myth. What about a firefighter wears five to 30 kgs on their body? Yeah, I would say fat. So you've got about 18 kg breathing apparatus and then you've got maybe a, what, 10 kg PPE, protective okay. clothing. Yep. So whenever you go in, you've got quite a lot of weight on you immediately before you even enter into the building. This next fact is weird. You know, it's an, from an article, but it says women have, it's not a fact, I, women have worked on a on a par with men since the 1800s. Don't know what this, just mm. tell me what is the ratio of men to women? Have you seen a change in the amount of women entering uh, the firefighting uh, stations? Anything? I don't, I've, I've been in Northern Ireland for four years and London for two years. So I don't, I'm not too sure. Has there been a drastic change or mm. even a little bit of a change. I'm, I'm sure there are more women applying because it's probably advertised more to women. Um, How many women these days have you met? You've been with in the been with. How many women <laughs> have you worked with in Ballyclare? Might be one and the same in Ballyclare and London. It's definitely not. Um, <laughs> not by choice, but the uh, people in Ballyclare maybe. One in Ballyclare in London in my station, there's maybe three or four firefighters in my station in London. But then there's more people because it's a full-time fire station. Usually yeah. you'll have, hopefully what the London Fire Brigade want to do is have like two women per each crew. So there's definitely a disproportionate, like there's more, there's more men by far than women. Yeah. And it's still a very male dominated job, but it is getting better and it's, more women are joining. <laughs> I know. That's Either you need to eat. No, no, I don't need to eat. I know what this, this, I know my body. Um, right. <laughs> next one, next one's yes. a, another one. I just feel like we're going to know the answer to shifts can last for more than 24 hours. Not in the London Fire Brigade. Okay. Shifts in the London Fire Brigade are during night shifts are going to be 13 and a half hours day shifts are 10 and a half hours okay substantial does that make sense 13 anyway yeah so that's that's your days and your night shifts and you won't you'll never hit a 24-hour shift i think they used to do that they used to have 24-hour shifts in the olden times not the olden times maybe 20 years ago not anymore they've changed it and in america they probably still do it so really wow um <clears throat> What about, it says here about uh, firefighters put their uniforms in the closet so they can put it on within seconds. So that's also, that must be American. We don't, we put our uniform beside the machines so we can jump straight in and then into the machine. What do you mean? When you say machine, what do you mean? The fire truck? The fire engine. So yeah, it'll be parked in a bay in the fire station and our uniform is right beside that. Yeah. So it's not in the, it's not in the closet, but it's the same type of thing. Um, 
then you jump into it and then you go from there. I've got a double question here. A, do you have a nickname for your fire engine? Um, and B, do you slide down poles? We don't have a nickname for me. <laughs> I've, I've never heard of a station that has a nickname for the fire engine. Should. That's, mean machine. They should. Mm. Yeah. With the red devil or something like that. Yeah. Not too sure. Well, I'll try and I'll try and introduce it to the London Fire Brigade and see how it goes. Um, usually, they usually they will um, slide down poles, but not in my station, sadly. <laughs> the, pole, the poles are being used for something else, so they had to take them away. Terrible dancing. I know a lot of dancing. Yeah. How quick can you get all your gear on? I don't know. <laughs> you, know you don't time that. I've never. No, I've never timed it. Why would I time it? I don't know. I feel you like just get on as soon as you can. It's just you know the impression that we get is, or maybe it's just me, that firefighters are trying to save every millisecond so they can get out there as quick as possible. Yeah. So I thought the preparation of just putting your clothes on even would be taken into account. Mm. No, it's like the whole thing. So we're timed. We could be doing anything anywhere in the station, and we're given our station. Is because there's no pull. Our station's given a little bit longer. I think it's 90 seconds to get out. So a minute and a half. So you're actually given quite a lot of time to get down, put on your uniform and go. There's never been, I've never been timed. Um, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I never thought. Yeah. Did you, did you want to ask but, uh, a question? Right. Yeah. Did you, did you want to ask a question earlier? You were kind of like leaning forward as if you had a, or you wanted to say something? No, I don't think so. No. no? <laughs> you're just gazing into my eyes. <laughs> Right, a gorgeous eyes. This this one here, many fires are extinguished by volunteers rather than professional Ooh. firefighters. Fact or or myth? So that must be American. I think you, you do get a lot of volunteer firefighters in America. In the UK, you've got full time and you've got part time or retained, mm -hmm. which is what I was in Ballyclare. I think there's maybe one or two volunteer stations that I know of. I think there's one in Northern Ireland. There may be a few more in the, like in the rest of the UK. But American, yes, in America. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and what about, this is a weird one for you. Um, is the Dalmatian the official dog of firefighters? Do you have, is, <laughs> what's this connection with dogs and firefighters? I think, lad, how do I change my name in this? Has this been like that no, the you'll whole not, time? I don't think you'll see it. Well, maybe you will. It doesn't matter. Uh, For anyone know. listening, um, it says Daniel the Great. <laughs> <laughs> I named my iPad like two years ago and I didn't know what to name it. So I just typed that in. Um, I like it. Yes. Yes, Craig. Yes. Yes, <laughs> I agree. The dog, like, is that a thing? Did that come from somewhere? Right, yeah. So I think, so, yeah fire stations used to be a place where the whole family lived because you were doing long shifts. Yeah. The whole family would live on a fire station and they would have like a pet dog that would be on the Are you making this up? station. No, I'm being deadly serious. They'd have a pet dog at the on the station and it would like roam around the station and the family would all be there. So it would be the firefighters and all their like wives and family and stuff would all live in these massive fire stations. So if you look around, today even especially in london you'll get these huge buildings that are old like fire stations now they're not used to the same kind of extent or they don't have the same 
amount of people in them because you don't have families living there. You just have the individual people. You have so there would dogs. have been, we yeah. don't have any dogs at the minute, but I wish we did. Bring back the dogs. Is, is that a normal thing? Well, even, even today, like, are dogs used by the firefighters kind of the same way that maybe the police uh, force would use them? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So dogs, I think, no, in the back in the day, they were just as pets, but now oh. you do have dogs that go in and they investigate fires and find like the seat of the fire and what maybe, I don't know, they train them in areas that they can discover things that people okay. can't. You see, um, I think rescue dogs, rescue dogs as well. So they can go in yeah. to like a collapsed building and they can find Hold on. Where the, where the location of the person, say if there's a person in a collapsed building oh, yeah, and they go yeah, through yeah. all the rubble, they go through all the rubble, find the person and then they can alert them to that person. Pure class dogs are amazing, incredible. Can yeah. you confirm whether or not there is like a dog suit? A dog fire suit? <laughs> I can't confirm it. I want to believe that there is a dog fire suit, but I cannot confirm it. <laughs> can we, <laughs> we can oxygen canister? <laughs> we can imagine. That would be amazing. Um, Daniel, this, is, this has been brilliant yes. so far. I feel like it's been a lot of like questions, answers, and you've, you've yes. nailed it. Um, is there anything else that you want to chat about? I feel like I've asked probably the majority of what I want to know. I'm trying to think. Like, there's a lot of, a lot of people will ask me, oh, is it really dangerous? Or do you ever get scared? Whatever. Yeah. And I honestly think a lot of the dangers and hazards are assessed and then they're either removed altogether or the risk is lowered, mm. you know? So, so we've got a lot of things in place that means that whenever you go into a fire, you are very confident that the people outside and the people inside, and because of your training, you know what you're doing. There's always, there's always going to be hazards and there'll be a little bit of risk compared to maybe other jobs, but mm. those hazards, the risk is drastically lowered because of what you do and when you do it. Um, it's quite professional. So you never really feel, you never really feel too scared. So when you know, when, when you're going to something, you're like, this is within, uh, it's, it's safe. It's, it's safe to a degree. There is a little bit of risk, but they're not going to throw me under the bus or like, uh, you know, they're not putting my life at danger really to a huge extent. Yeah. Like the person in charge will have to say, will have to let you, and tell you to go into a burning building. Mm. So the greater, they say, um, the, um, what's it called? The wee line, the tagline of the fire brigade is, we will risk our lives a little to save savable property. We will risk our lives a lot to save savable life, but we will not risk our lives at all to save property or life that can't Wait, be saved. That's a, that's a tagline? Like a wee um, motto. Like- you know, like Tesco's, you know, and then their little, what is that? Every little house. Every little. <laughs> London Fire Brigade. We're not going to risk yeah. our lives. No, sorry. That was, that was the Northern Irish Fire Brigade. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. That anyway, would make more so, sense, uh, wouldn't it? So, 
them. Well, so if they're like sitting and this house is going on fire and the roof's coming in, they're not going to send anyone in because there may not be anyone in there. Or if there's not anyone in there, they're probably not going to send anyone in. Um, so it has to be assessed by the person in charge. And then you've always got the option to say, no, I don't think that's safe. And then you can decide yourself that you're not going to go in. Um, I've, got, I've got another question. And then there's loads of other things. Yes. Um, was that your belly again? Yeah, listen, don't worry. It's, 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 it's good. Um, what does firefighting mm-hmm. do for the ladies? Uh, do you find whenever you tell people that you're a firefighter, uh, do you get a good reaction from girls? By the way, hey, Daniel's single. So I would say, I don't know if you are. I am. Um, yeah. Um, okay. I'll add your Facebook and Instagram. Cheers. To, I don't know if you'll be able to get it. I think I deleted my Instagram recently. Tinder? Uh, I wanted to be off it. I. So, sorry. <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know. I've always heard the expression, keep your high hand low. It just turns out, like, I just, mine's far too low, I think. I just try not to bring it up. Or What do you mean you're... Try not to, like... What's low? Have you ever, have you ever heard that expression, like, keep your high hand low? No. It means um, it's like a poker term, whereas if you've got a really good hand, you're not going to show it. Oh, right, okay. You're going you're, you're, you're to keep it low so people... So, but, I don't know, it's like... like okay, um, I, I don't mean... So, was... so I, would, I, would never, I would never just go and be like, oh, my name's Daniel, this is what I do, because that's... Yeah. I don't know, that's a wee bit... Uh, yeah, no, that's a... I don't know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't sit right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, but it just turns out maybe I keep it far too low, because I... <laughs> probably i probably should i don't know should, i'm not too you sure. should lift that hand Good a little question. bit higher yeah but i do notice whenever people do find out their ears perk up a little bit yeah i guess because yeah, it is it's quite maybe, yeah. exciting and it's it's you know like girls have established you know sort of fantasies of professions that um they would yeah. like to you know to think about maybe i don't get it but i it's definitely, it's that Hollywood thing, isn't it? Where all these firefighters are ripped and muscular. And, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just, but just you like know. yourself, you know. Just like myself, yeah. You, you are shredded. <laughs> like you've got a very, uh, you're, you're probably one of the most toned men that I, I know. Um, out of I the toned men that I know. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. out of all five, uh, it's, it's hidden. You would look at me and be like, nah, definitely not a firefighter. Um, and then... But then... Maybe with our clothes on, you'd be like, oh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he runs a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Daniel, anything else that you want to... I think we can wrap it up here. Um, yeah. I would just say firefighting's class. Safer than you think. But you do get to see some like pretty cool, but also pretty brutal stuff. And with the mentality of helping people, then it never really gets you down. Because you're not thinking about how bad things are. You're always thinking about getting to help the person. And there's a lot. uh, That's really it. (laughs) If any of you want to be a firefighter, definitely do it. It's it's one of the best jobs out there. So definitely put your name forward. Well, um, I'll have to get you back on and do another topic. Like uh, you are somebody who has a broad genre of interests. Yes, that's Brad, beautiful you ask me moustache. Anything. While I'm here, plug in November. It's one thing with the fire brigade. There's a lot of potential toxic masculinity. So, 
you know? There you go, representing the... Represent and talk and communicate and share your feelings with each other because you never know, you know? Like me and Daniel. Mental health. Yes, like I think ourselves. we we maybe overshare our feelings. <laughs> we overshare far too much, and then like Kaylee or our friends are like, "You just need to stop. This yeah. is going on far too long." We need to sort of uh, distance ourselves from each yeah. other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but hundred percent, I'll get back on, and we'll actually maybe do a different topic because there's lots of other things. Beautiful, Daniel. Thank you very much. We'll pause right. it here. Bye 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 bye. Much bye. Love, thank Greg. you. Bye 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 bye.